Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Well, it's great to be back again. It's been a long hiatus. Yeah, and I it's, say, uh, and I, I have to say it's mostly my fault too. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's your fault. I'd say that uh, it was in service of uh, your your needs. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's more the Canadian diplomatic corps' fault than anything, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, there, there'll be announcements sometime in the in the near future, I think. But I'm uh, I'm taking on a new new position that requires me to be a little bit more diplomatic, and uh, it's been it's been busy. And uh, like I say I haven't been self censoring particularly, but uh, it's uh, I haven't had a lot of time for Twitter, and unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time for our podcasts as well as you know I have to be a little 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 careful in the kinds of opinions i express from time to time i still have lots of opinions that's for sure but uh you know i'm I'm a little older and wiser and and and, and sort of just you know being a being a little more careful but uh which is which is unfortunate because that isn't my natural nature <laughs> no so is this going to be now are is this because of a sense of diplomacy <clears throat> and protocol for the new position or is this just you saying I don't need the headaches anymore. <laughs> you know, a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, every once in a while, it, it's the first time it's ever happened to me that, uh, you know, usually I get people you know, who come up to me on, on the subway and they, you know, for some re reason recognize me from my Twitter uh, picture. And, uh, you know, and they'll, they'll say, Hey, I follow you on Twitter and, uh, you know, I haven't seen you for a little while. And, uh, you know, so I usually get, pretty good response to my my commentary on twitter and i and i like to think too that my you know my even though i'm sarcastic my positions are pretty mainstream for you know nothing you wouldn't read in the toronto star let's say if you can consider that mainstream but uh you know some people are sensitive about uh, having any kind of political opinions at all these days and uh you know you just want to be you want to be careful i've never run into this before with you know let's call it an employer um uh the uh that there's uh, there's sensitivities about public uh, perceptions even though it's very clear what you you and i say are personal opinions and do not reflect anyone else you know sometimes they don't even reflect our own opinions but they don't reflect <laughs> anybody else's opinion um but you know it, it's funny there's there's a sensitivity out there that uh that 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 you know, unfortunately, kind of makes you think twice sometimes before you you hit the uh, the post button on some things. Yeah, well, it, it, and you know, we were going to talk about something else, but this sort of naturally segs in. Um, yeah, I I uh, got uh, you know I post under uh, my uh, character um, Ed the Sock on Twitter, not under my own name, and I uh, I got sick. I I caught one of those. It's funny because. Uh, during the time that everyone was masking, I didn't catch a cold or a flu for those years, though I usually get both every year. Um, then when the masks came off last uh, summer, uh, I got COVID. And this uh, this spring, both myself and, and Leanna got this awful cold. It was like it was a, a respiratory type cold, tested for COVID, didn't come up as COVID. It was negative, but felt like when we had COVID and it lasted weeks. In fact, Leanna's still coughing. There, there was that other respiratory infection that was going around that kind of was, uh, you know, piggybacking on uh, on any weaknesses that people had from from previous COVID infections. And it was uh, it, it was pretty nasty, too. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. So during that time, I was like, I, you know, with my uh, with my new responsibility producing uh, the all night show on 94.9 The Rock, um, which 
you know, engages me from midnight till 5 a.m. And I hear it's uh, going really, really well. Yeah, it is. Uh, thank you. But I, I, you know, you come home and I don't need a ton of sleep, but I'm getting home at six in the morning and I'm sleeping till one, roughly. Uh, and then I get up and, you know, I got, you know, I got stuff to do. Do I really have the energy to put out trying to educate morons on Twitter? And dealing with all there. And really, the thing that's most exhausting for me on Twitter is just the depth uh, of the ignorance and the passion they hold for that ignorance. Uh, that So did I really want to have to face that, the, the fact that the world is made up of that many um, stupid, spiteful, horrible people? And the answer was no. So I haven't been out there very much myself, but... Twitter is a different ball game than it used to be pre, you know, it, it, it's basically pre-musk pre -musk yeah. and, and post-musk. Well, not post-musk, current musk. Um, yes. It's a different ball game now. Um, you know, I think what I think is interesting is how uh, he, Musk says he is an advocate for free speech, free speech. And then he goes on last week and tweets that using the term cisgender is considered a slur. Yeah. Like, uh, really? You will let people on who use racial slurs that are actual slurs, but a word which is actually a scientific term uh, is a slur. It's not saying somebody is cisgendered is not saying that that they are in any way bad. It's not a criticism. It's simply a description. It's the, it's no different than saying someone is homosexual. It's this is their state of being. Um, but. He's become so endeared of the cheering that he gets from the right wing because he's, you know, he's no different than Trump and people like him. He's a narcissist and he loves the spotlight and he loves to be loved. And he's been getting so much love from right wing nutjobs that he is now playing to them because then they will they will boost his ego. And so he says something like cisgender is a slur. And then he also uh, bans. I forget this gentleman's name, Greenspan, uh, something, who has been a critic, a critic of Trump, of uh, Musk's. Um, yes. He bans him from Twitter, and he will let on neo. He let back neo Nazis and all manner of human filth. But uh, uh, so he basically he doesn't walk his talk. He's no, not at just all. a provocateur. Yeah, and he's replatformed. You know, not not just the right. I mean, you know, the the right is entitled to opinions, and you know, to to wrestle it out on Twitter with everyone else. Uh, but he's he's replatformed the the obnoxious right. Uh, you know, the racist right, the mm -hmm. anti democratic right. Uh, he's replatformed the you know the 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 insurrectionists. Uh, he's he's replatformed the misinformation. You know, kings and queens out there who were just you know pumping out garbage, um, you know, and that's you know that's not censorship, that's not gatekeeping, that's just like these people are just crazy and are are lying, and they know they're lying. Um, you know, you could say lying is free speech too, but the other thing he's done is he's tweaked all the algorithms uh, to uh, to 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 make the right opinions more more prominent the thing that they they accused twitter of doing pre-musk for the left which i don't think it i think you know the left sort of gravitated towards uh twitter as its platform the way the right gravitated towards facebook originally as as its platform so the left 
was very, very prominent on Twitter originally and kind of drowned out, you know, the, the few right uh, wingers who kind of uh, jumped on there, you know, there were some silos there, but uh, you know, there was, there, there was a pile on the monkey for, uh, for some, some of the more obnoxious right wingers on Twitter. But what he's done is, you know, he's leveled the playing field by tweaking the algorithm to encourage more right wing views being seen more prominently in your feed whether or not you lean that way or not and that's because as you said it uh, it uh, it feeds his ego it generates clicks and since you know he's got a new profit motive for for twitter which who knows whether or not it's, it's actually working but he's decided the way that twitter is going to go in the black is by the easy route which is platform the right people and the angry people and the grievance politics people because it, there's nothing that gets people engaged uh, more than 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 crazy right wing views yeah you know, the moderation is not a is not a big seller uh when it comes to you know motivating people to click through for products or whatever else so you can sell advertising but the right has always been i mean that's why you know fox and breitbart and all of the right wing news you know outlets uh uh, have, have have done well because there is a very fertile and an enthusiastic audience on the right and so he's tweaked the algorithm to benefit from that which means you know there's less on twitter for me to be interested in except for the you know the people i follow um you know who are you know i'd like to think you know reasonable sane people uh, but uh, you have increasingly crowding in from the periphery all of these these right wing types. Um, so Twitter just hasn't held as much interest for me. I mean, I used to spend way too much time on Twitter. I used to spend you know literally hours a day, uh, not all at once necessarily, but I would be going through the feeds. I would be going through uh, um, you know what's trending. I'll follow what my friends are saying. I'd look. I'd turn to it for my news sources. Uh, it was a great aggregator of of news articles that you wouldn't normally see. And I've noticed just in the last two, three months, it really has stopped being that, at least for me. And it it holds very little interest. And like you, I get tired of banging my head against the wall, playing whack-a-mole with uh, you know people who have have opinions based on absolute fantasy, and there's no way that you're going to convince them otherwise. So yeah, yeah, there's and, a point and, where you go. My time is better spent, uh, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, the it, it seems that the sense of humor that was present on Twitter, you know, even if it was you know even polit political, like political satire and so on, but just a general sense of humor um, used has, to be witty. Yeah, it's it's gone. It's now just a, a repository of anger, and this isn't just about politics. It's about uh, pop culture. It's about uh, everything, medical, uh, medical discussions, sports. It's just become a bear pit. And the idea of there being some, you know, getting a, a, a smirk from somebody's tweets uh, is kind of gone. It's really now just a bunch of people bashing their heads. I think of that episode of The Simpsons when Lisa Simpson was concerned about her future based on her genetics and she looked out on the lawn and Homer and Bart were wearing giant pots on their heads, smashing their heads to, against each other. Um, that is what I think of when I think of Twitter. Two idiots wear pots on their head, smashing into each other. Um, 
And I don't want to be one of those idiots. So yeah. it's, uh, and it's unfortunate. And of course, you mentioned uh, revenue models and Musk. Well, he's lost a lot of advertisers. A lot of big ticket advertisers are just, yeah. no, we're not going to advertise on a place where that is that is that risky as far as having their brands become associated with supporting that kind of dialogue. Like if you're not yeah. going to, if you're not going to regulate, then it's an unsafe environment for us to put our money into. So we're not going to put our money there. Uh, so, yeah. you know, he's come up with these ridiculous plans like the blue check mark, which before verified that you were who you said you were, because lots of people could take out, you know, anyone could take out a, a Stephen Lawton's uh, address on yeah, Twitter. someone did at one point, and you know he was disappointed with how poorly it operated. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't want to impersonate me, trust me. Yeah, it's, yeah, there, there are there's no targets. money in it. Yeah, there's no money in it. Me either. <laughs> um, but uh, that's what it used to be: is basically for for people who had you know some level of uh, fame or notoriety. It said this is the actual person. So other people pretending to be them, their comments couldn't be uh, substantiated as reflecting the actual individual uh whereas now it's the opposite now if you because he made you pay for the blue check mark which is absurd because if the idea is that this is verification and somebody can go on and say there's steven kersner and get a blue check mark by paying and that's supposed to verify that that person is me that's not verification so what is the value of that blue check mark and yeah. Blue check marks have now check marks before were kind of the, sa the the sign of woo you're kind you're cool now the sign of you're very very uncool yeah in matter of fact now it's 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 a it's a warning that the you know the, the account that you're looking at is probably uh, populated by jerks yeah uh, and you know and and corporations you know again he uh, instituted a policy where you could get a like a super a super check mark for corporations or a badge or a ribbon or something but he was charging a thousand bucks a month for it and all, you know all the companies who have their ad buys and stuff they're seeing that you know like you said Twitter is not a great platform for them anymore because it hurts their brand because as soon as they post anything you know support support Pride month the next thing you know they are just slammed with trolls. And they say, well, you know, that's that's not what <laughs> that's that that's not good advertising for us. Um, you know, they've just said, no, we're not going to do that. And you know, I'm finding, you know, innocent sort of things. Me and my, you and I both have our fair share of of trolls who uh, who who you know come out of the woodwork uh, sometimes. But usually, it's about politics or you, mm -hmm. know, you take a you take a controversial. Uh, or uh, you know a, a position and i i posted the other day to, you know, just a funny thing you know you know we're talking about you know humor and all the rest my my um my newspaper deliverer through my uh my copy of the toronto star uh i came out more it's like there's no there's no paper where is it and you look in the bushes you look under the car you look on the porch and it's not there and i was going out to somewhere and i get to the sidewalk and i look back at the house and it's on it's on the roof of the first floor <laughs> Um, the guy's got a great arm. The Blue Jays should sign him up. <laughs> no um, and you know, so I, I took a picture of it and I posted it on Twitter going like, you know, wow, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I appreciate your delivery boy. He has a good arm, but how am I supposed to read this Toronto star? Yeah. And, and you know, just, you know, it's goofy. It's just a, one of those slice of life things. And can the, I guess, the comments can I, I got. Can I guess that the comments yeah. were about you listening or reading the Toronto star and what, a 
what a propagandist mainstream mainstream media rag it is was that right you you do read my twitter feed yes exactly okay. <laughs> they're like oh you know your your uh, mail uh, your uh, your newspaper guy is just trying to you know protect you against brainwashing and uh you know that's you know all kinds of you know he's doing you a favor and it's just like oh the Toronto star what a piece of crap it you know belongs in your gutter kind of stuff and it's like oh, you know it, and then and then you know someone else you know suggested that uh, that I, I needed to reshingle my roof um too so, so and did they leave their phone number <laughs> yeah it's like for 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 new shingling i i just reshingled my roof it doesn't need shingles um but you know it, it's just that sort of petty stupid meanness which was always on twitter but was always just a manageable little part of it and the joy of twitter far outweighed the you know the the annoying flies that uh that that buzzes around from time to time and now it's like uh you know the the return is so minimal on it unfortunately i mean i'm still gonna tweet you know and uh, i know i i have i'm i'm, I'm grateful to have uh, you know loyal twitter followers but it just it just ain't the same no it it ain't this i mean the world isn't the same you know you want to talk about uh brainwashing uh we've got I mean, this is primarily in the States, but it's infected a bit up here. This war against teaching LGBTQ uh, existence in schools and trans people. Uh, I mean, it, it accelerated tremendously under uh, that, I'm sorry, piece of crap, Ron DeSantis, who yeah. is desperate, desperate to win the Republican nomination. And he will throw any vulnerable group under the bus. Yep, the thing about six votes, yep. Yeah, the thing about uh, Trump is Trump is is a madman. He's, he's, he's the ravings of a madman. He is the dark side of the movie being there. Um, <laughs> yes. If you remember that Peter Sellers yep. movie, Jersey Kaczynski script. Um, he, and so, but he's, he's like a sputtering kook. Whereas, um, but he actually believes what he's saying when he says it. And he'll say yeah. something completely and... opposite the next day and believe that too. But yes, when he's talking, he's saying stuff that that he believes. Uh, whereas DeSantis, I don't think DeSantis has any particular ideology besides getting elected. And I don't think that he is actually that he he gives a damn one way or the other about the existence of trans people or, or gay people or books about gay people. I think he sees them as uh, opportunities. Um, he, it, it, these things don't really offend him. I no. think all he cares about is uh, garnering support and votes to propel his ambition. I don't think that he's actually morally offended or believes that teaching that uh, gay people, you know, teaching children in schools that gay people exist is is harmful, or that uh, uh, trans people should should be denied medical care. I don't think he cares. These are not people he cares about. These are, and I don't know if there are people he cares about because people like that care only about themselves and their yeah. own ambitions and their own forwarding their own their own uh, progress. So I find him in many ways more objectionable than Trump, who I think is not well in the head. Um, DeSantis knows what he's doing and doesn't care. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, one, you know it, it's one thing if you're a racist and you believe the racist stuff. You're still a piece of crap, but you're, you're saying things you believe. 
other people who say racist things, knowing they're racist, not necessarily even believing them, but not caring because it, it can advance them and, and really not caring the kind of harm it can do to other people because they they're not them. Um, yeah. That's that to me is a whole different kind of different kind of evil. And the whole I you know what I'm talking too much. You go on. <laughs> No, no. Well, you know, we're we're coming to the end of Pride Month here, and uh, and it, it's you know people who try to make causes out of these things. I mean, I I scratch my head about drag shows. Um, you know, yeah, they you know, they go on about it being grooming and all this. It's like, you know, drag shows have been part. You know, the Romans used to do drag shows. The British were, were you know, famously, you know, the Globe Theater, Shakespeare you know, wouldn't allow women on the stage. So, you know, all the female parts, you know, you know, Ophelia in Hamlet was played by a man. It always, you know, was for, for, for a long, long time. Uh, the, you know, the British army or in the Canadian army, you know, which were, you know, unisex for the longest time, they used to do Christmas pageants and shows. And it was, you know, all the women's uh, roles were played by, by soldiers in dresses, the uh, Christmas pantomimes, uh, there was always, uh, you know, you know, elaborate drag shows. You know, Dame Edna, uh, who has now you know, gone on to his her reward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Uncle they, Milty was the biggest television star at the dawn <laughs> of the television age. <laughs> yep. Mrs. Doubtfire, Tootsie. Mm-hmm. You know, the people are saying that uh, drag is inherently sexual. It's like, really? Did you find yourself having an erection at Mrs. Doubtfire? Um, I, w- I would hope not. Or, you know, go go back, you know, you know some like it hot. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack, Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis, uh, you know, dressed uh, dressed in drag. Uh, you know, more more recently, uh, um, uh, Bosom Buddies, the, the TV yeah. show that uh, launched, launched Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they played. Uh, you know, That's they were still my in, favorite um, role of his, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> living in a women's uh, women's, women's, women's dorm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And they and they had to dress as women. But. You know, they, you know, I used to go to, it's finally at a Ross Petty, uh, you know, great Canadian actor did the mm-hmm. Christmas pantomime here in Toronto yeah. and, you know, the, um, you know, the evil, uh, you know, um, um, uh, uh, her name was Plum Bum, always played by a man, you know, it's always played broad and for jokes and all the rest. And yeah, personally, you know, I, um, RuPaul's Drag Race, I don't watch it. It's, it's, it's my not niece my, loves it. And my you know, and, is straight. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it, it's just not my thing. It's not, you know, it's not a judgment. It's like, eh, you know, that's kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's performance. Well, it's performance. Yeah. I mean, people who wear prosthetics as Klingons in Star Trek. <laughs> yes. That's a performance, too. It's people putting on makeup and appearing different than they are. That's it. First of all, they keep calling people groomers. Grooming does not occur by your parents taking you to a a drag person reading a story. Grooming is a process that takes several months uh, or longer. It's usually done by a family member, uh, you know, uh, perpetrated on a child by a family member or a close family friend or somebody in a trusted position of authority. Um, It takes months. You, You have to slowly break down this kid's, um, inability or the fact that these kids are really not sexual in many cases they they don't have a they they don't have a sexual frame of reference the hormones have not been released in their brains where they start to see things as sexual or interpret things as sexual you have to slowly slowly introduce that stuff to these kids and slowly uh, ingratiate 
their uh, their um, respect and trust. Um, you yeah. you can't do that in one appearance in a public. No, sphere. And, and like you said, it's performative too. The same way someone dresses up like a dragon or a cat or a something else, uh, you know, it's it's a parody. It's a broad uh, exaggeration, which is what makes it funny and interesting. And the kids just see it as as a you know an over the top character. Yeah, they, see, know, it as, they what, see it as an adult dressing up silly. That's yeah. all. They do not, yeah, and, have and they the may have no idea. Yeah, you know, who's under the makeup? They may not know if it's a man or a woman. It's just, you know, someone who's dressed up like a over-the-top princess. It's like, okay, fine. And when was the last time you heard about, uh, you know, a, a drag show uh, resulting in uh, in a, a child molestation? It's never. I mean, you know, if you want to pick some groups of people who are, uh, you know, who are at the top for those kinds of sexual crimes, it ain't the drag people. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's members of the clergy. It's teachers. It's, uh, you know, not... Not to you know to uh, to to stigmatize any of those groups, but you know they statistically are are overwhelmingly more uh, likely to be offenders in that way. But you know for some reason, whether it's drag or you know the pride events, there's a big thing. Everyone's all upset because there were some naked people at one of the pride events, and um, you know running around and there's oh there's children here. It's like well, well I, yeah, you know that's, I that's not ideal. I don't um, uh, see. I don't like that about pride. Pride to me is about sexual orientation. It's not about sexual behavior. And yeah, keep, it has keep, become keep that too for the much. after party. Yeah. It's you know what? There's really no um um what's the word move uh that uh, occurs in in gay sex that doesn't also happen in heterosexual sex among some people. Like yeah. so the the difference the difference of supporting pride in or quite frankly the lack of shame in sexual orientation, I can support that. The public display display of sexual activity, no, I don't no. support that. And you know, I don't know why people take their kids down. They see these, you know, guys in leather traps with their their sacks hanging out. Um, that is that is a sexual proclivity. It is not a sexual orientation. And that I, I've objected to that for years. When when much music used to do uh, much at Pride with a uh with a a float and stuff like that i used to go and do it and then one year i was like you know what coverage of these pride parades usually focuses on the things like the leather guys with their sacks hanging out and <laughs> people walking around with giant exaggerated penises and stuff like that and i said and you know when that's broadcast to somebody 40 miles outside of saskatoon <laughs> that reinforces to them that gay people are a breed apart, that they're strange, that they're perverse, that they're freaky. And the purpose of Pride, of pride is, to, is to make people think the opposite, is to make people recognize that, no, being gay doesn't change. They're your neighbors, they're your friends, they're your family, um, that this does not make them reprobates. And but what gets focused on and transmitted to people in those remote places it fulfills every one of their nightmare fears and perceptions about gay people. Yeah. So and the, and the nudity too, because you know, you know, Canadians, you know, there's a, there is a strong prudish Protestant, uh, uh, um, morality that, that continues to run through, uh, run through Canada. Uh, but you know, you go to, you, know, you go to Europe. Um, I don't know, have you ever been on a nude beach, uh, in Europe? I mean, I, I have, I can't say I was really comfortable, uh, you know, the odd thing was, uh, you know, you walk on a nude beach in uh, in Europe, I think it was in Corfu, or or maybe it might have been in Italy, and, uh, you know, you walk out on a bathing suit, uh, wearing a bathing suit, and everyone stares at you. 
And it's yeah, like, the okay. opposite of the flip side yeah. of yeah. The and then you take off your bathing suit, and no one looks at you again, yeah. which is you know kind of kind of disappointing. Um, but uh, it's uh, you know we're just not used to that sort of a culture. But that's you know nude beaches aren't sexual. Um, there was a time you know there are nudist colonies that are family oriented. Uh, you know we have a bunch of them here in Ontario too. Um, but you know it is a very much a you know kind of a sub subculture. Um, that uh, you know, that, you know, there, there, there is the overt sexualization of 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 parts of pride, uh, which you know makes some people a little bit uncomfortable, and you know, and that's clearly not child friendly, and people yeah. ought to know better. Uh, but there's other parts of it that are just uh, like you I say. Support they... the gen. I mean, I, I fully, o overly, fully support the messaging of pride for sure yeah um but yeah. and you know, there's somebody 40 miles from saskatoon who's watching that and is is uh is uncomfortable about coming out as as gay and uncomfortable with her own sexuality and is you know maybe feeling a little tortured about it it does normalize it for them and maybe gives them a little bit of uh, support and encouragement that uh, that they're not alone in the world even though you know they're uh, they're out in weyburn somewhere uh, in the field and uh, you know they they've had to hide their sexuality so maybe you know there is a positive message for it as well you know just uh, you know how much again we're talking about theater you know how much of it is theater and how much of it how much of it is 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 the original intent of, of pride which is uh you know normalizing and uh and respect and uh recognizing that you know there there are a lot of uh of of gay people you know you know you know two two two-spirited lesbian bi gay um trans plus 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 people mm -hmm. out there um that message i think is still there uh that you know it's 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 something that the 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 right especially the religious right mm -hmm. chooses to seize on mm -hmm. and you know it's such a small part of 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 the of the gay community but they use it as an opportunity to sort of beat them up and try to roll back the rights on 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 gay people i you know i've got well, some it... friends who are in the united states who are who are gay and married and uh in in uh in states like Kentucky and some of the others where they are literally in danger, not just of losing their marital status, but they've adopted children. They're in danger of having their children taken away. Uh, not, not for being bad parents, but simply for being gay because the legislature has decided that uh, human rights are uh, subject to a vote in the legislature. Yeah. It's the, it, what, what, I mean, it, the, the, Right has lost in many ways the fight, the abortion fight by winning the abortion fight. They don't have that to pull them together anymore. They they they've had victories. So now they need something else to unite them. And what do they go after? You know, society is a pendulum and gay rights had had made tremendous strides. Um, and so now people are and, and Donald Trump has has catalyzed the permission structures for people to express very hateful beliefs uh, that before they recognized were not uh, welcome in the public sphere. So you've got you've got that stuff happening and people are rolling back gay rights uh, or trying to roll back gay rights. You've got people assaulting uh, trans rights using the, the thing that gets me is the people who are think of the children. So they think that they are a better judge that they have a they should have the final say um in whether a child should get uh hormone 
therapy, for example, they should override the child's parents and the child's doctor. Yet flip it around, and they think uh, parents should have complete control of what their kids are learning in school. So which is it? Are yeah. do parents get the final say, or do they not? Well, it really depends on the issue, because the principle is not that parents should have greater control. The principle is bigotry. Um, and the idea that you are helping children by denying them uh, their pronouns, their uh, the validity of their identity, uh, denying them the uh, medical uh, therapies that are provided or re recommended by doctors, that that's helping kids. Com completely ignoring the fact that kids who are denied those things are a far higher suicide rate risk, are have yep. far higher frequency of depression. So you yep. drug this abuse. Isn't a, yeah, yeah. This isn't about the kids. This is nonsense. They they try to wrap themselves up in that kind of motherhood. This is about the no. It's not about the children. It's about your bigotry and your fear of the world and things that are different than you and you trying to dress it up as being for the children because you want it to come out as something that people will see as pure and and sanitized. Yeah. But it's not. It is no. It is hatred and it is bigotry and it is fear of in it, all. This can be summed up under fear of modernity. They don't like the fact that the world. It is not the world that they want it to be, that they thought it was and that they want it to be like the the protests against pride flags, the protest in Target against, uh, you know, pride, pride displays or yeah, button, pride you know. displays. You know, first of all, if somebody goes in and vandalizes your store, they are criminals. They should be arrested. I don't care about their politics they are criminals and should be arrested. Um, the idea that they should, that Target backed off because these hateful bullies um, were were acting, you know, acting illegally in stores, that's what a, you know, that's terrible. That That's a bad precedent. And basically what we're hearing from, basically it's like, my, my thought is like this. For a portion of uh, white people of Christian background, they believe that the world, this world is theirs. Uh, it's their home. Everybody who doesn't fit into that, the category that they are in, are basically guests that they are being very good about letting come here and live here and, and live their lives. Um, but once the these guests start to stay too long or decide that they want to change the furniture or something, then they have violated the host guest relationship. And therefore they must be punished and must be sent to their rooms and put in place. Let them know what their place is. You're not a full fledged American to some people. You're not a full fledged Canadian to some people. If you're not white uh, church going from a Christian background. Um, and so they, they, they get angry the same way you'd get angry at a guest or a boarder who uh, outstays their welcome or who starts crossing lines into, you know what, I, I think we'd like to change the curtains. Um, that's what it's like, that you, you are interlopers that we have been uh, kind to, and now you are abusing our kindness by asking to be taken as equals. We never said you were equals. We said we would allow you here because of our benevolence and how wonderful our benevolence is.
But now you've stretched the benevolence too far and you need to be shown exactly where you belong. That is un what is underneath all of this racism and the sexism and the, uh, the, the hostility to non-heterosexual people. It's you, you are getting uppity and yeah. you don't know your place. This is not your home. This is my home. You are going to you're going to obey the rules of my house under my roof. Yeah. And it's based on a false understanding of 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 society in the past as well, because, you know, you know, th this mythical age that the conservatives live in or, you know, not not big C conservatives, but people, you know, of, of, of conservative uh, you know viewpoint. Uh, is that, you know, the 1950s leave it to Beaver, you know, the pre-hippie era of the 60s, um, that the world then was, you know, nuclear family, white, Christian, usually Protestant, because the Catholics were still kind of on on, on the outs at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the real leave it to Beaver kind of, of, of life that was mythologized by Hollywood and by, by early television, that that was the norm. And somehow that modernity, like you said, you know, starting with the, with the hippies in the 1960s and, and you know, the, the beatniks, uh, and then, you know, the, the pill, free love, flower power, protest against Vietnam, and then, you know, all the other, the civil rights movement and all the rest, you know, that it ruined that. And, you know, they just want to get back to that time when, you know, when women were at home and, uh, you know, made dinner for their man, the man was out, um, you know, working his way up the corporate ladder as the breadwinner and you bought a house and had a garden and all that kind of good stuff. Now, the reality is for 99% of, of North American life, that wasn't the case. You know, people struggled, uh, you know, people struggled with, you know, not just their sexuality, because, you know, there were tons, you know, there, there were, you know, the people who were, uh, you know, not cisgendered uh, and, uh, you know, and not heterosexual back in the, the 50s and 60s led terrible closeted, tortured existences. And they were subject to prejudice and violence and, and all kinds of things. I mean, black people uh, were being lynched. Yeah. From trees. And, and, that, and it wasn't that, you know, it was during our lifetime when when things like that were happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were a little very small, but, uh, you know, it was still within our lifetime. And, you know, with people who had these, you know, who wanted, you know, who were, you know, they're called cross-dressers, you know, men who like to dress as women, you know, they they suffered terrible, not just abuse, but uh, psychological trauma for not uh, being able to be who they were. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they became alcoholics, they became drunks, they became, you know, drug users because, you know, they're self-medicating because they couldn't be true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, this re repressed time was terrible. You know, but it, these people it, don't care about that. They care about the people they saw on screen who yeah. they identify with. Oh, it's and... the mythology that they want to get back to. And the problem with yeah. mythology is it never happened. It never happened. It was never like that. You know, the, the irony of the Leave it to Beaver type family is that that depiction of American life, that mom and dad with the, the, the couple of clean cut kids um, in the nice house, that was a myth created by the founders of the the motion picture studios in Hollywood who were European Jews that came from poor backgrounds. And this is what they dreamed America was actually about because, you know, it, it was the exact opposite of their where they came from. Crowded homes, mostly in shtetls, like, you know, ghetto-like uh, environments, um, 
the it, it wasn't the, the 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 loving mother and father kind of situation. Their their families were much more emotional, and so they saw this very genteel. They believed America with Christian America was this genteel, uh, ideal world, and they created this idealized world that didn't even exist for for white Christian Americans at the time. But this became the depiction of what is uh, what we aspire to. This was the norm to be aspired to. And it was created by the fictions or the, the mythologies of European Jews. This was never actually America that was up on screen. It was a fantasy. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of the, uh, you know, some of the some of the great artists of, you know, Hollywood and, and uh, you know, the theater and, and music were were gay. Uh, yes. You know, you know, they they were among their their circles it was really it was well known that they were they were they were gay mm -hmm. um and you know some some actors like rock hudson had to had to hide it in order to continue to be a you know part of that uh that squeaky clean uh, well, white middle class american nice, you know. handsome virile leading man yeah you know doris day's husband uh in in all those movies uh mm -hmm. you know he he had to hide it and you know that, but his you know his friends his close friends knew and the people he worked with knew but it would never got into the you know the movie star magazines. Well, they had um, fixers back in those days, the studios, yeah, who shut down like some pretty rough guys like Eddie Mannix and things like that. Who uh, they were they were thugs, and they got those stories squelched in the yeah. tabloid mags. Sometimes by offering up somebody else or some yep. other story on someone yep. who they didn't have an investment. Or sometimes in. by getting the dirt on the reporters themselves. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, that stuff was kept under wraps because the studios paid thugs to keep it under wraps. And also because uh, gay, gay men would be cajoled into marrying women uh, yes. as a public face. So it was uh, that time, as you're saying, that time, it never existed. It, it is a fever dream of people today who are living in a world that is far more complex. The world has always been this complex. However, we are now acknowledging the complexity exists. Rather than yeah. saying, we don't want to hear from you, we don't want to see you, we're now acknowledging the, that this world is real. And is, these people, trans people, gay people, they've always been here. But instead of saying, you keep quiet or else, yeah. we're and then on to a model whereby we're saying, no, we recognize you're human beings and you deserve the same basic rights as we do. And that is upsetting some people, like with with uh, the pride displays and the number of people I've seen saying they're trying to shove it down our throat, take away the sexual imagery. Um, it's like, OK, do you realize how many images you are bombarded with every day that tell you that being heterosexual is the norm, is the is the desired norm? You are that is a constant stream to the point where you could never re really sit there and think for a day and actually pick out all of the various things you saw that have, that affirmed that they they claim that some some gay people are saying, hey, we're over here, too. We you know, we're part of this world, too, that that is shoving it down their throats, whereas heterosexuality is shoved down the throats of non heterosexual people every single day. Yeah. Well, you just, you know, you just have to watch, uh, you know, you know, the, the Aurora Tea Garden mysteries or, you know, any of those Hallmark, uh, you know, they, they've tried one or two gay love themed, uh, you know, those, those Saturday afternoon romance uh, mm -hmm. 
mini movies and uh, you know the the gay themed ones have just gone over like a lead balloon with their audience um you know and, and the, you know the thing about the mythology too is that time was incredibly unhealthy for all kinds of reasons because it 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 made people not talk about child sexual abuse molestation within the family they didn't talk you know people didn't talk about alcohol problems they didn't talk about drug addictions they didn't talk about depression they didn't talk about you know even ptsd following the the, the vietnam war the korean war the second world war was was barely dealt with at all um you know certainly you know homosexuality and all the rest it was repressed isn't the right word for it it was it was erased even though it was fully in existence and you know how unhealthy that was for society and how many lives it ruined you know abortion uh you know you, you don't you know you don't outlaw abortion like the supreme court uh, in the states courts have done you've what you've done is you've outlawed safe abortions because people are still going to go and get them but they're going to get them from unqualified people who are going to endanger and, and kill women in the process so it's you know the good old days were not that good no they weren't and you know what they weren't as you mentioned they weren't good for the type of people who are being depicted on screen either because white Christ Protestant families, the people weren't those ro cardboard cutout robots. And they were being told that any variation from those cardboard cutout uh, robots made them, uh, an, uh, you know, to some degree, an outcast. They, had to, they felt ashamed because they had to perform as those people, but they weren't those people. And so the kind of pressure of conformity, it's no different in some ways than the the what they call toxic masculinity now what i used to call testosterone poisoning um which is that there for, was for a long time be a man meant certain things there were certain characters or actors on the screen that summed up what being a man was yeah the john wayne syndromes yeah john wayne's yeah and, and people like that um and so men who were more sensitive to that or whatever had to tamp that stuff down in order to perform as male and i think the 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 people who were performing as male were much more obnoxious and and violent and so on than the people who were just comfortable in their masculinity as as it is uh, mm -hmm. for them because they're acting it they're 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 disconnected from the reality of who they are they're portraying a role that is ill-defined and uh, that they are trying that they're trying to interpret, and many people interpreted, uh, you know, casual violence, rudeness, um, uh, sexual objectification, uh, yeah, and negativity or, or towards women, or, you know, or sexual pre male predators. Yeah. Yes, they they saw that as well. This is what being a man is. I want to be a man, therefore I must do these things, and that's soul crushing to somebody for whom that is just not their actual operating system. And, you know, you've got people now who, you know, the, the, the idea of what a man is, is so, there is no idea. Like, you know, we're moving towards an idea where being a man means being an adult male. Um, what you do is being, whatever you do, that, and you're a man, is being a man. And that lack of specificity of how to perform as a male is affecting a lot of insecure males who don't know what they're looking for some kind they, they're not they don't know who they are yet many of yeah. them are young uh they don't know who they are they don't know their id they don't have these hallmarks in the past uh, that they had in the past of 
uh, what it meant to be a man so that they could perform in that role. And so they're lost and they gravitate towards people like a, a, a Jordan Peterson who are telling them uh, that, that they are victims, first of all, and are giving them permission to adopt a masculine performance that is out of date. But it gives these people a sense of identity and a sense of belonging and a sense of, of validation. And so they will continue to carry on to be horrible people and follow horrible people because at least there's a template there that tells them if you do A, B, and C, you are a man. Yeah. Yep. And you know, and, and again, you know, the the people who are 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 selling that kind of snake oil about uh, you know this is this is the role you know of a man dictated by biology and genetics and all the rest. You know, they're you know, they're, they're getting rich on teaching these people and giving these people. A uh, you know a, a template like you said to reassure them that they are men and that uh, that they uh, you know if they just act like this then they are fulfilling their biological destiny which you know as 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 geneticists and and biologists have long since proven there isn't a template there isn't a strict role there isn't you know you know in the in the animal kingdom and the human kingdom that uh, it is a a rich tapestry of variation uh you know we clump up in certain areas but you know the whole idea of normal goes out the window because we're not just not built that way there's you know we have a, a an incredibly varied uh, um, behavioral set of patterns and likes and dislikes talents and all the rest you know just because you don't like sports and you don't like uh, you don't like uh, noisy cars doesn't make you any less of a man and you know the fact that you have feelings that are closer to the surface and you're able to express them and deal with them you know, it doesn't make you girly. I mean, that 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 is the toxic part of of the whole thing. Well, I mean, and normal is a prison. Normal is a prison of the mind. Um, we do have certain values that we hold in common uh, in order to have a, a civil society. Um, there are certain things we consider. You know, don't. It's the Ten Commandments, basically. Um, don't kill. Don't steal. Don't, uh, you know, covet somebody's stuff because that's bad for you psychologically. There's, you know, there's basic rules that are needed for people to live side by side with each other. Um, yeah. But and you'll boil down to the that, one thing, which is, you know, just don't be a dick. Well, that's and, and you know, if you boil down all uh, major religions, it comes down to don't be a dick. If you yeah. if you, you know, you boil it all down to the message, that's what it becomes. Um, speaking of of uh, dicks. Um, oh god i'm not sure where you're going with this okay <laughs> uh, uh, pierre Polev. um yes he is uh, uh, i truly believe that whatever the polls say now once the he's out on the hustings once he's out campaigning in an election and the people see him more often and hear him he's gonna he's gonna crater because his style of politics his his meanness his pettiness uh and, and his his political policies those aren't the kind that resonate with like three quarters of canadians and add to that being able to see what's happening in our neighbors place in in the united states uh under people who think and espouse like he does is is an even greater reinforcement and you know he he does nothing but spin 
uh, uh, molehills into mountains and create scandals where they aren't. You look at this whole thing with the Chinese interference in our elections. You get David Johnston, who was appointed by Harper, um, you know, in his in, in, during his uh, tenure, um, comes out and, and, and says, praised praised by Polev praised, and he come so he comes out and says the same kind of thing I think we would have said or if we did say that it it you, we did say this you can't really do the kind of inquiry they want into the issue of Chinese in, uh, attempted infiltration to our political system because much of that information must remain classified because it deals with sources and and uh, policies and procedures and individuals who's, that should not be revealed to the public because it will compromise our, our, our safety and our security. So most of the documents are going to have to be so redacted that they're of no value. And that is a sensible a sensible approach um yeah and well and and it speaks volumes that you know uh, i'm a big believer in information i'm a big believer in knowledge i'm you know and you know but i i've also worked in government and i understand that there are th people like to think you know the in the age of twitter the age of facebook that er every everyone's entitled to see everything all the time and make up their own opinions and it's like you know when you're dealing with the security establishment and it's not just ours because you know, when we're talking about the Chinese, we're talking about how they interact as well with the British and the Americans and some of our other allies who would be very unhappy if we started releasing classified information that, uh, you know, reveal sources and methods and 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 all the rest of this stuff. But it's it, you 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 are not entitled to see everything in the world. You know, if as as you sit on your tractor or uh, you know you're angry behind your your Twitter thing. Uh, but we've got this idea that that people do, but it speaks volumes that that the, the two leaders of the opposition have uh, refused to take the security briefings to give them uh, that requires a top secret or or whatever. I think it is a top secret uh, uh, level to be read into these things, but it also requires you to, to keep to yourself things that are secret. Imagine that, you know, you can't blab secrets Um that they've refused to do it. And that means they haven't seen the information of their own volition. So how do you take them seriously when they complain about this being unfair if they won't agree to see the stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Why, if you're the leader of the opposition, if you're the leader of the uh, Conservative Party, would you not want... What's the disincentive to getting a security clearance? I mean, you want to be the prime minister, you're going to need a security clearance. Then why would you choose to not get a security clearance? That rings bells for me. Um, and I guess it's because he wants to be able to say whatever he wants. And if he happens to hit upon something that is classified, he can't get in trouble for it because he didn't hear about it in classified discussions. I don't know. But he's he he lies about things. They misrepresent things. David Johnston basically said, F this. Um because his plan of having meetings around the country to basically assuage people's fears, uh, that couldn't happen anymore because he'd been so politicized by, by Polev uh, mostly. And so, you know, he quit. Uh, scandal, scandal. He quit. he quit because you'd made it so he can't do his job. That's why he quit. That's on you, not on him. And, you know, it, it, the Chinese tried to infiltrate our elections. Whoopee. You think this is news? You think that uh, the United States and others of our allies do not constantly spy on other countries and each other? 
and have not tried to, I mean, American influence, uh, if you want to call it that, in certain countries over the years has been overt. I mean, they've assassinated democratically elected leaders because they didn't like how that would play out for, for America. Um, the idea that, that there is something unique about China because it's trying to gather information or uh, get some influence oh. in the political system, that that's somehow some nefarious thing that only China does is crazy. We're all doing it. We're all part of it. We're part of the Five Eyes program with uh, Great Britain, Australia, uh, the United States. Who's the other? New Zealand? Yes, New Zealand. New Zealand. Um, so we do share um, intelligence and probably work together on intelligence initiatives. So, you know, nobody's hands are clean on this. The most important thing is, did they have any success? And there is nobody, even leakers from this, from CSIS, who said that they had any success, China had any success in penetrating and infiltrating and affecting our electoral system. But drummed up as such, you know, drummed up by uh, Singh and Polev, uh, who see the ability to confuse the public and make it seem like the government is sneaky and hiding something, they're putting uh, their political fortunes ahead of what's good for the country and creating this massive distrust in government. And if they think that this distrust that they're, that they're instilling in people in government would go away if they formed the government, they're dead wrong. It's going to yeah. metastasize. So if Paulev, God forbid, were to be the next prime minister, that uh, that lack of trust in government will be there as much for him as what, what he's tried to foment for Trudeau is not going away. So this is short sighted. Um, and the Canadian public is not being well served by people who are using its, I don't want to say ignorance, but a lot of people have a lot of time to sit there delving into issues. Um, so it's using their unfamiliarity and uh, attaching it to certain code words that have emotional responses to make Canadians feel a certain way and lose trust in in the government, as opposed to like doing what opposition parties have done in the past, saying this policy that you have, this, this leg legislation you've introduced, this is why it's bad, this is why it's bad, this is why it's bad, this is what would be better, this is what would be better. Um, so they're, they're engaging in dog and pony shows instead of actually doing the job of, uh, opposition parties. And it is, I mean, it, it doesn't, doesn't help that, uh, Trudeau's communications department continues to be the worst of any, um, prime minister in my living history. They are absolutely the worst at getting their message out there at controlling the message. They are often, uh, you know, they're left to. Uh, respond to criticisms. They're always on their back foot, which never yeah. looks good. And, and there's a lot of unforced errors too. I mean, that's tons the worst of part. I mean, I think that they, no surprise, I, I I like this government as far as, I think their policies have been good for Canada. I think they've done some really good things. Have they done some things that are questionable? Every government does. Have they done some things that I don't necessarily like? Every government does. But overall, I like the the policy decisions, the policy direction of the party. They've done some good things. Do you hear them out there uh, talking about their successes? No. What you constantly hear is them defending themselves. And if you're in a position where people feel uh, perceive you as defending yourself, you're in the weaker position. Everyone assumes you did something wrong. And yeah. so the opposition parties, I mean, they're great politicians as far as people trying to fundraise uh, from their constituencies and trying to weaken their opposition or their, their opponents. 
but they're not good for the overall health of uh, of a country. And yeah. it's ag- I mean, I really wish, you know, where is the Trudeau who uh, shut down that person in the in the media scrum? You know, said who who just went off script and basically said, "Shut up, we don't listen to you." <laughs> um, yeah, every every once in a while, his his, his father Pierre, uh, you know, makes yeah, every an appearance once in, a while he, in his comments, but he goes but no, off you know, script. Not... I think that's the real him. This yeah. is the guy that I, beat the crap out of uh, the uh, the senator, or mm-hmm. I forget his name now. Um, oh, in that, uh, that boxing um, Brazil. match, yeah. Brazil. Everyone assumed Brazil's a big bruiser. He's good. Trudeau wiped the floor with him. Trudeau is a scrapper, and they don't let him, or he doesn't let himself be. He lets people tell him how to behave. That, as someone who has met him socially, that guy you see stumbling on camera. Um, saying these these flowery words, that isn't the real guy. I think if people saw the real Justin Trudeau, if his political people said, um, "Let's you know, let Trudeau be Trudeau," you'd see a much greater support for him because he speaks more like normal people when he speaks. And when mm-hmm. he's supposed to, and when normal people would get pissed off, he gets pissed off, and people can relate to that. They can see themselves in that. Instead, he's got this milk toast uh, appearance. He's got the same comms people he had. You know, he's had so many scandals that were unforced errors that really weren't scandals, but were successfully yeah. made into that by the opposition and a compliant media. He's had enough of that to be able to say, okay, comms guys, you're all gone. You have done a terrible job. And he doesn't. He's loyal to a fault. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about Canadian governments is, you know, some political scientists said, you know, we never elect a government. What we do is we throw out a government retired with, and the other one gets in by default. And that, you mm-hmm. know, that's I think what you know. Obviously, the uh, you know the conservatives are are interested in doing because they've done nothing but follow you know grievance politics. You know, as you said, they don't really propose any policies. And here's what we would do, or here's you know here's a suggestion. You know, they say we're well, you know we're going to oppose the budget. It's like, well, you know, good luck with that. It, you know, you're not going to oppose the budget. Uh, you're not going to successfully do anything. They said, well, we're not, you know, it passed in parliament, but we're not going to accept it. It's like, I'm okay. And, that's and how are you going <clears> to <throat> not accept it? Exactly. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do about that? Um, but, you know, they they try to tap into, you know, their meme machine of grievances. You know, they they have these little boutique uh, micro-targeting. And, and they were the pioneers you know, it actually came up from the United States, you know, in the in the 1980s, the Americans were doing micro-targeting with, uh, with direct mail, which was revolutionary at that time. And now with social media and, and electronic communications, it's it's it on steroids. But they've been really good at mar- micro-targeting people with individual grievances. Um, and they've just become a party of grievance politics. And they hope, of course, that if you get enough people mad at Trudeau, he'll be tossed out. The NDP really isn't going much of anywhere you know they make lots of noise but you know they're polling in the basement and they've got no money and you know that's one of the reasons trudeau will go to the end of this term another you know two and a bit years because the ndp will never pull the plug on them you know unless unless you're you know in the last six months of the mandate you know they might do that just to show that they're tough and then nobody's baby but um but trudeau's going to run this whole thing in the meantime everyone tries to chip away at him because they want to be there when everyone goes you know we need a change and pollsters will tell you politically that as soon as the number of people get high enough in answer to the question do you think it's time for a change 
not about policies, not about do you like this leader, not about you know, are we in the right direction, all the rest of the stuff. But if they answer the question, do you think it's not time for a change in enough numbers, then the government falls. And mm -hmm. that is, and it doesn't matter who the government is, and liberal governments tend to you know, run until the wheels fall off. Uh, and, you know, and Polev and the conservatives are hoping that they will be the beneficiaries of that because, you know, the NDP clearly is not going to be. And it's up to the current government to convince people that, no, they deserve another term because things are actually much better than than the constant barrage of negative um, politics and memes that uh, that come out of the other parties are not true. And they're not true. I mean, Canada's economy is the second strongest in the G7. Uh, uh, you know, people people complain about housing prices, and uh, so the Bank of Canada says, which is completely independent of the government, uh, says, okay, we're going to raise interest rates and get inflation under control. And everyone goes, no, 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 I don't want higher interest rates. I I want inflation under control. They say, well, which one do you want? Because you know, you can't you can't have both. Mm -hmm. You know, our our long period of uh, zero interest rates is really the cause of a lot of the problems that we've had. That and COVID, obviously, mm -hmm. but uh, you know you know, interest rates going up into the, into three, four or 5% is, you know, people are, are screaming about that, but it's uh, it, the, it, unless the government can convince people of the reality that things are actually pretty good in this country right now, they, they run the risk of exactly what you're saying that, uh, you know, with lousy comms, that someone else is going to be able to put forward a false narrative, make the people who feel aggrieved uh, justified in their grievances, and that number goes up about, do you think it's time for a change? And next thing you know, you've got a different government. You know, from my brief time in politics, I've learned that there are two, time, two times um, when a population is most likely to say we need a change. One, when they dislike the government. The other, when they like the government. <laughs> that pretty much covers the field yep yeah because <laughs> if they you understand the dislike but when they like the government they get so so uh complacent yeah they say um, oh anyone can do this yeah that yeah and they're like yeah we you know we you know it's time for the fall fashions um yep. <laughs> and they become yeah they become so lulled into the sense that no matter who gets elected it's always going to be this good and then discover that it's not um and Let's segue over to our final topic, which does fit in with all the others, which is what's going on in the United States with uh, Trump's indictment. And more interesting to me, the triumph of uh, messaging on the right that has successfully avoided them confronting these charges against Trump, which are not like other charges brought against him in the past. The speaking indictment listed a substantial amount of evidence for each of these charges. Um, so it's very difficult for people to claim that it's all just, uh, it's all made up. So instead, what they do is they look, they, they say, what about the other guy? What about the other guy? You know, the, so the issue becomes the unfairness of him being charged when other people weren't charged, as opposed to this guy did what with our national secrets? Um, yeah. I mean, can you imagine a Republican Party prior to Trump who would be supportive of somebody who took national secrets and showed them to people like yeah. or that cozied up to Russia? Like, it's, it's funny because these Trump well, there, supporters... there, there's there's people in jail right now for having shared stuff with Russia and or yeah. posted stuff on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and they're going and they're going to be in jail a long, long time. 
Um, and none of it was as, as sensitive as some of the stuff that uh, we understand now that uh, Trump was keeping in the, the bathroom at Bar-a-Lago. Yeah, th these MAGA types call um, non-MAGA Republicans rhinos, Republicans in name only. The truth is the MAGA people are Republicans in name only. In name only. They don't support um, smaller government. They, they don't support uh, institutions, you know, traditional institutions. They have they have no interest in monetary policy. Um, they uh, are supportive of uh, Russia of, of Putin. Uh, these are not conservative positions at all. Um, they call themselves conservative because they know they're not liberals. They're not actually political conservatives. They're malcontents with grievances. Um, and you know, first it was uh, what Trump did. And what about Hillary or what about uh, uh, Joe Biden and Mike Pence? They had documents. They had documents that they undertook themselves to find. The National Archives wasn't looking for these documents. They weren't important. They decided after seeing what happened with Trump, hey, do we have any documents? They went and they checked, found some stuff, called in the authorities and said, please come look and see if you can find any more. And if you do, take them. So they they yeah. cooperate. They gave the stuff back immediately and they cooperated with authorities. Trump did the exact opposite. He knowingly took documents. He knowingly lied to the to the archives about having them. He lied to his lawyer about having given all of them back when he didn't. He kept about 64 boxes or something like that. He knowingly hid the boxes so that they, they couldn't be seized by the rightful authorities, the rightful owners of the documents. He lied, he lied, he lied. He hid things, he hid things, he hid things. He shared national secrets with people with no security clearance. This has this is nothing like what happened with, with Biden or Pence. He did, they gave, yeah. they found stuff on their own. They didn't know they had, they gave it back. He knew he had well, stuff, refused to give it back. Yeah, and you know, I think the other big differentiator is well, why were these people retaining documents? You know, and in the case of Biden Pence, it looks like it was an oversight that they got packed in a box and forgotten. Whereas you know, Trump is has entire life been transactional. He was like that in business. He was like that as a president. It's what can you do for me? What is this worth to me? He's like that personally. in marriage and as a father too. Yeah. Yeah. What is this to me personally? I mean, the, the mm -hmm. office president was basically a money-making venture like everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason you have to look at the reason why he was retaining those documents. And it's widely believed now that, you know, he was keeping those documents because he could get something for them. Not from the U.S. government, but, you know, he could sell them, he could show them and get influence, he could get money, he could get something from whether it's the Saudis or, you know, any, any you know, not uh, not very friendly government to the United States who'd be, you know, Putin, you know, he, he was big pals with Putin. Uh, you know, what kind of deal could he make? What leverage were those documents so that he could personally benefit from them at some later date? And that's the only reason he retained these things. Is well, because I, he I have another something reason. For it. I, my feeling is not so much that he wanted to sell the stuff. I think that his reasoning was this, this, these were vestiges of his presidential power. These made him feel still like he had something that the rest of America did. He had clearance to see things that the great unwashed didn't. They just reinforced his sense that he really was still president, that 
he was still a major player. He was still uh, America's leader and that he could show these off to people because he was ashamed that he lost. In fact, he can't admit it. Uh, yeah. So I think that this was this was all to do with his ego. I don't know. I don't really believe he's planning to sell it. I do think that he was. But this was all about his ego and because uh, everything else in his life has been about his ego. Uh, you know, the, just the fact that he went and showed people that that map of attack plans, like people who didn't ask, he was just trying to show off that he, you know, to these book publishers, that he was a big mucker still, that he was, you know, he's still the the, the cock of the walk. Um, and no, even though I I was thrown out because I was because the election was stolen from me, I'm still I still have that virility of power around me, and. You know, they, they then they threw in Hillary Clinton, which, again, the cases are not related. And she was investigated up the wazoo. If there was anything they could have charged her for, you damn well sure they would have. Um, yeah. They didn't. I mean, well, Comey went to the extraordinary step of making that statement a few days before the election, which would normally never be made in a case like hers, because yeah. um, he had to try to show that they that they they really tried to get her. Um, so she's. She's free and clear. She didn't. And, and the circumstances of what she was being accused of had nothing to do with what he's talking about. And then comes Hunter Biden, a private citizen who's screwed up. He's that, you know, he's he's had siblings die in horrible situations. It's not surprising that he's a little screwed up. I mean, he's a you know, he comes across as a bit of a sleazy businessman and he's got drug problems. But you know what? He's never run for or been elected to office. He's a private yeah. citizen, and there has been zero evidence that uh, Biden, Joe Biden, was involved in any of his business deals, knew anything no. about his business deals, had any connection whatsoever to the things that he that Hunter Biden was was accused of. Zero. I mean, there's uh, Bob Comer, the Republican, who keeps saying that he comes forward saying we have proof that Joe Biden was involved in a bribery scheme. And then, well, we don't really have that proof, but I know that he still was, you know, the, the whistleblower who disappeared. Yeah. The recorded phone calls that never, never materialized. Um, you know, they're just throwing that into the ecosystem so that the right has something to complain about. But saying, you know, uh, Hunter Biden got a slap on the wrist. Hunter Biden cooperated with authorities. Usually when you cooperate with authorities, you get a lighter sentence than if you'd been convicted, he fought it and been convicted. Now, did he get uh, more lenient than some other people? Sure. But he also got it more harsh than other people. Um, yeah. The, uh, it, you know, the IRS is not a monolith. And there's people coming out saying, we knew he was guilty of felonies and we wanted to charge him with felonies, but we couldn't. They didn't. If they had the evidence to do that, they would have done it already because it didn't make them look good. That the investigation was taking so long. If they had evidence of a felony that a felony charge that could stick. Yeah. And they could take to trial. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're no, a lawyer. If you don't have enough to take it to trial, convince them to take a deal. Yeah. And, you know, and as deals go, I think, what was it? A hundred thousand dollar fine. And uh, I'm not sure what it was, you know, and the gun charge, you know, the, the, the Republicans who don't think anything should be registered and everyone yes. should, uh, every, everyone should, uh, you know, be, just be able to buy your, your gun, no questions asked. You know, he was, uh, he, he pleaded guilty to uh, giving a false answer on his gun application. <laughs> which is a false uh, answer, yeah. which quite frankly, um, 
is an understandable an answer from a human point of view. Are you a drug user? Um, yeah, it's you're like applying no, for a gun, hoping like, to get uh, a gun. You know that question is going to disqualify you. I'm not supporting his uh, dishonesty, but no. I I see where it came from. People also addicts yeah. are notoriously slow to admit that they are addicts. Yeah, I'm not an addict. I just use occasionally. Yeah, you know? and and the th the whole thing about uh, you know the again, I'm I'm not surprised by, by political hypocrisy anymore i mean how how many years have, have they been chanting you know lock her up with mm -hmm. hillary in her emails you know lock mm -hmm. her up lock her up lock her up and then as soon as there are legitimate and serious and you know admitted on 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 video of you know trump saying yeah i did all these things you know charges against trump trump they're saying oh this is a political prosecution no you know no politician should be subjected to this it's like wait a second for the last eight years you've been chanting lock her up <laughs> isn't that using you know I, I, do you see a, a disconnect here at all and they're, and they're like nope nope not at all and it's this idea that that you know, if if you have either an ideological certainty or a certain weakness of, of of intellect, that you can hold these two completely different ideas in your head at the same time, uh, yeah, it's there's no way that you're ever going to call them out on on the uh, the incongruity and the hypocrisy of those two different statements. No, and the interesting thing too is that the things that Hillary was being accused of didn't cut uh, a, a jail sentence. Was never attached to uh, no. to those those uh, crimes or whatever those transgressions. If she'd been convicted, they didn't carry a jail sentence with them. So the whole locker up thing is was completely. I mean, it was very very effective. But yeah, it. And then of course, Jared Kushner and Ivana Trump, when they were working in the White House, did the exact same thing yes. Hillary Clinton did with a private server. The different being. Difference being that when Hillary Clinton set up a private surfer, server, it wasn't illegal. Yeah. But it was when Kushner and uh, Ivanka set up theirs. And But again, you know, Kushner very clearly let Saudi Arabia slide on the murder of Khashoggi yeah. in order to get the quid pro quo of the Saudis then bailing out his failing uh, business. Yes. To the tune of what, $2 billion? Yeah, it was $2 billion. Yeah. So, but that, they know, like, if you bring that up, they, they, they shrug it away. It reminds me of one of the, one of the critical moment, moments that got me hate leaving much music was that this, uh, this sleazeball guy had been put in charge because the person who was normally in charge was away on maternity leave. Um, and we kept sending him emails about this show that we were doing, this documentary we were doing, giving him details of what the subject matter would be and how we were going to go about it. And he just kept sending back emails saying, yeah, fine. Um, and then when the person came back from maternity leave, that was the weekend that this show we were producing aired. And she had a fit about it. Who approved this? And this guy said, I never approved it. They, they, they put it on the air. They told me lies. They didn't tell me that they were doing this. Um, I never saw it on the air. And there was an email trail of everything that had been okayed by him. Everything was okayed by him. So we go to have a meeting about this. And Leanne and I printed up these emails to show. And the person in charge was sitting behind her desk. We were sitting in chairs around her desk. And I said, here, I said to the guy, 
tell me that you were too busy because you had a new job position and you didn't read them all. Okay. Don't tell me I never sent them. No, you never sent them. You snuck this on the air. And I put the emails, the, the printed emails in front of him and said, look at this. And he turned his head the other way. He turned his head to the right. I put him, put them where <laughs> nope. he's turned his vision. He turns his head to the left. Like he just refused to exist acknowledge. If I, can't, if I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. He refused to acknowledge that here was incontrovertible proof that he was lying. And the person in charge just let him do it. Just let him uh, deny that these things existed. And she didn't persist and say, there's evidence here. She let him skate. Um, and that's similar to what's going on <coughs> with Trump supporters and Trump. Yeah. Yep. No. And, you know, there's there's a wise saying, which is if someone has uh, come to a conclusion that isn't based on facts and evidence, you're not going to convince them otherwise based on facts and evidence. Yeah. And what a world we live in. Yeah, well, it keeps keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for us to go. I think it is, but we will be back. Yes, we'll be back. Uh, we promise it won't be a that's couple a promise of and a threat. Yeah, it's both. You were warned. Um, Stephen Lawton's can be found sometimes on Twitter now. Um, <laughs> at Stephen Lawton's, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. Um, so I encourage you to check that out for because now... These are going to be. I'm just, more I'm rare, just posting so kittens now. I'm just doing cat cat memes from now okay, on. Okay, I'll go look. It, it I love cats. Gets gets me into less trouble. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Look forward to talking again. Yeah, well, our pleasure. And uh, thank you all for listening to Stephen and Stephen. I'm Stephen Kersner. <laughs>